0: Podcast. I'm a mom. fix my life. I'm Antonia Jones and today we're talking about careers and how you can take that next step to landing your dream job. Maybe you're looking to get promoted or perhaps feeling anxious about interviews or feeling under pressure at work or seeking a higher salary. Whatever it is, single parent Adele Thompson, CEO of AT Enrich is an expert in careers and life coaching and in her own words, her sole purpose is to help women upgrade their finances careers and self-esteem and she'll also be answering some of the questions you have submitted to. Hi Adele, welcome, how are you? Hi Antonia, I'm good, how are you? I'm fantastic, I'm just so glad that you're here today because it's so timely, this is such a timely topic during the pandemic and that season where lots of people are applying for jobs including mums as well, they have children at home during the summertime and probably thinking about the next career move or some may um, have just come a furlough as well. There's lots of questions that parents will want to ask. But before we do that, um, you've got your own personal experience before setting up AT Enrich. So could you tell us all about that and how that came about?
1: Yeah, no problem at all. So I started off my career in nurseries as a nursery teacher um, I got qualified. I decided that's what I wanted to do. I sort of had that natural thing with young children. They just sort of liked me. So I went into that career. I worked first when I was like 15 on the weekends, helping out in like a local crush. And then it became something I really wanted to do. And um, I did that. And I always wanted to sort of work my way up the ladder. So I worked my way up to so sort of management. And um, I was doing that. And then after I had my daughter, I started to notice that I had a lot of time for other people's children while I was at work, but I would come home and not feel like I had the same time for my daughter. Um, And I just decided that childcare in that sense maybe wasn't for me anymore. So I wanted to do something else, wasn't qualified, didn't have any experience. Friend of mine mentioned to me, she was like, you'd be really good in recruitment. Never even thought about it at the time. Went and had a read, was like, oh, actually some of these characteristics are definitely me also recruitment's an industry where you work and you get rewarded so the more you do the more commission you make Um, and I love that idea so um, with no qualifications no experience I just decided to give it a go (laughs) went for a couple of interviews my first interview was an absolute nightmare the lady said to me stay in nurseries Um, that's what you're good at Um, and I remember at that moment I decided no like I was like no one else is going to tell me what I can and can't do. And I think having a young daughter definitely made me sort of change the way I looked at life. And then I went for a couple more interviews, got offered both the jobs, accepted one. And the rest is history. I've been recruiting ever since. Um, randomly got trained and became a CPR trainer and then went into coaching, just went hand in hand. I was helping people find jobs. And then people were coming to me outside of that, asking me sort of about my story, how I switched careers with having no experience started off as a trainee and literally within a month I've got promoted um, and I've literally just continued to grow I'm an operations director now in the recruitment field um, and I'm a coach so that was sort of my story just literally flipping everything on its head going from childcare to recruitment and being super successful and now I just really enjoy helping women do the same realizing that just because you're not maybe not qualified or someone else tells you you're not good enough doesn't mean that you can't have everything you
0: want. So that was an amazing story and an amazing intro, Adele, and I just can't wait to get through to the questions. But most of all, what does AT Enrich actually mean to you and your clients? For me, AT, that's my initials,
1: (laughs) so that's that. And Enrich is just the word I love that word like I'll enrich your career whether I enrich your finances whether I enrich your self-esteem and your confidence whatever I do I'm gonna enrich some part of your life if not all parts of your life so I just love that word enrich so let me help enrich your life.
0: As moms we may see success as finances but as you say it's about being happy and confident within yourself it's not just about that and also you have a quote on your page about six figures it's not just about that nine to five. Oh, I was reading and um, I was really inspired by that tell us more about that feeling and <laughs> empowerment
1: yeah well I was I was basically saying not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur not everyone wants to own a business like I've got my business but I've also got a nine to five I love the corporate ladder but just because you do a nine to five doesn't mean you still can't earn six figures. Um, you can either earn it in your job or outside of your job. If if money is something that you're motivated by and that's something you want to go for, you can diversify. You can have stocks and you can have bonds. And nobody told me about this stuff growing up. So when I learned it, I was like, I have to share it with other people. Um, you can buy rental properties and rent it out, use that money to pay your bills. And then whatever you're making from your nine to five can just be your spending money. There are so many opportunities make money without having to be an entrepreneur or own a business and some people just don't want that everyone talks about being an entrepreneur as if you have to want that that's your that should always be your end goal some people don't want that some people like security I know as a mum, I like the security of having a job I also like the fact that when all this COVID stuff happened I could be furloughed and at least I could get something while I was at home I was still coaching on the side, which was great because people still need coaching, especially with COVID. But I like having both. And maybe one day I'll want to just do one or just do the other. And that's okay. But I just feel like women, especially these days, they feel really pressured to choose one or the other. Firstly, you can do both if you want. You can do one or you can do the other, but never feel pressure. And know that if you want to make five, six, seven figures you can do that, but still have a 9-to-5. I know plenty of people that are on 9-to-5 earning 150, 170K easily, comfortably. So Wow,
0: yeah. I can't wait to, find, to pick your brain and find out some more, <laughs> especially for the mums. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. jump right in. What has the highlight been so far in your career?
1: In my career,
0: probably going
1: into recruitment. Um, a lot of people didn't think I should. Um, at the time, I was still with my daughter's dad. He was totally against it. He was like, I'm not going to help you in any kind of way. Um, My mum was sort of like, yes, I think you should go for it. But she was like, just know that you might be limited because you're not qualified. She was behind me. But, you know, just having that, I think my biggest thing is that I did so well. Like I did something that everyone told me I wasn't going to be able to do. Um, So I feel like that's been the highlight of my career, working my way up from being a trainee recruiter all the way to an operations director, having my own team and running my own office. Um, so yeah that's probably been one of the biggest highlights in my career and also like the biggest highlight for me for my career is what it's been able to do for me in terms of the things I've been able to give to my daughter and my daughter sort of a single month
0: and that's good because you are that example so you're not just saying right you must make sure you excel in your your subjects at school but it's like watch me and that saying is um, is it do as I don't do as I do or do as I say basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's what they say. Kids don't do what we tell them to do. They do what they see us doing. So I feel like my daughter's always going to come up and know that she saw me doing something. Um, even the coaching business, she's old enough now to sort of understand when she saw my new logo and the name, she was like, oh, that looks nice. And she has her own input
0: and she's like proud to be able to say like, oh, you're doing really well, mom. So I love that as well. So does the dream job really exist? And you talk a lot about empowering ourselves and finding our own destiny. And how true do you think this is in reality?
1: I think that the dream job does exist. However, I think the idea of the dream job is what people get caught up in. People think that if you have a dream job, you're not going to have any bad days. I'm here to tell you that is not
0: true.
1: (laughs) Even if you find your dream job, It doesn't mean that you won't have bad days. Also, as we grow and we change as people, so do our dreams and our goals. So my dream job initially was childcare. I loved it. I thought I was going to own my own nursery. I thought that was my end goal. I loved it. I did it for 10 years. And then one day, I went into recruitment. And till now, it's been almost 12 years. No, actually more than 12 years I've been in recruitment. I absolutely love my job. I can tell you that I love recruitment. I also love coaching and um, I've only been coaching for a few years, but I absolutely adore it. But that's my dream job now. It wasn't my dream job previously. And I think that's where people get caught up. They think you find one job and you're going to your, you're gonna love it and you're going to do it forever. Some people are lucky enough to find that one job and that's it. Some of us will have two, three, four jobs. I'm not even in, even now, I'm a coach and I love it and I'm a recruiter and I love it. Maybe in 10 years it won't be what I love. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm okay to evolve. And I think sometimes as mums, once we become mums, we think that we have to stick to one thing because it, it needs to be stable, just in case for our family and our children. Actually, as long as you make calculated risks. So I'm not saying to quit your job and have no money and no income. But what I am saying is, figure out what you what you're good at, what you like, and if that's your dream, go after it. We literally have one life, and um, I I'm such a believer in living it. and figuring out what you like and not beating yourself up. If you choose something and it doesn't work, then choose something else. Um, So, yeah, I do think it does exist. um, But I think we have to look at the bigger picture and decide what we're asking when we're saying, is there a dream job?
0: You've answered all of the questions that um, I personally had to ask myself. And like, how can you find that yourself? What do you like? And, um, you know, how can you excel? And what if you pick the wrong job? And and that's sometimes the the fear amongst mums that you want to make sure you're stable. And I've always worked um, in fixed term roles. And um, for me, it's always been about just doing different things and then you're, you're never bored. You're always consistent, just enjoying that. That makes you that happier person as well. So, um, yeah, you've definitely answered that question. And the dream job, it does and doesn't exist. But um, it's, it's like I've read another quote about um, when you pick the job that you like, you'll never work a day in your life, which means that you're enjoying your environment, you're enjoying what you do. And the idea of some people being in jobs that they don't enjoy for reasons um financial and reasons as well and and I I would never want to be in a position where I don't like what I do if you don't
1: enjoy it a lot of people don't enjoy what they do and that's okay I've definitely had jobs that I didn't enjoy but what you need is that end goal you have to have a reason for doing it so sometimes when I've had a job I'm doing it because I know maybe I'm getting the experience I need and a year from now I won't be doing that anymore so instead of getting comfortable, I make a plan to how am I going to move on to do something I enjoy, rather than sitting and
0: being stuck in
1: something I
0: don't enjoy. I've got another question in terms of rejection, um, going for lots of jobs, and this this time as well, um, we are down to I believe three hundred thousand ro- roles that have vacancies that have been listed which you probably know all of this according to the latest UK figures and we were up to the beginning of the year it was like 700,000 and you you may have like 200 applicants going for like one role and I I watched that earlier on on the news Uh, a restaurant was advertising a role for um, their restaurant and they had one job only and 200 applicants had applied and the that the the manager was quite shocked and he he couldn't believe the volume of CVs he had. So how can someone cope and manage how, you know, there's the stress levels and their confidence if they feel that they're getting rejected by applying due to the situation we're currently in? And that's that's the thing,
1: understanding that it's also the situation we're in. There are way more people out of work than there are then there are jobs it's as simple as that there are way more people looking for work than there are jobs also understanding that when you do get a rejection always try and get feedback because i feel like sometimes feedback will really help you feedback can be really hard on us because it could feel really critical but sometimes someone will say something to you that you didn't even realize that you do or that you didn't even realize and it can help you go back to the drawing board and start again but remember rejection isn't about you you're not being rejected possibly they just found someone who had a different skill set or was a better fit for the team but it's not a personal attack on you and I feel like sometimes we get so down on ourselves we feel like oh they rejected me as a person it's not you as a person that's being rejected there just might be someone else and sometimes it's not someone who's got better skills than you actually it might just be that they're a better fit for the team and some teams are looking for someone uh, in a certain age group who can do social media or something like that and maybe that doesn't lean towards your skill set so they went with a a different direction and always remember you have to get rejection on the way to your goals so you might get rejected and that door that gets closed might be because something else amazing is about to open yeah if I sat in the time when I got my my first rejection was horrendous if I sat there and was like well she's really good at her job and she said I would never be in HR or recruitment my whole life would be different right now so it's just remembering that, yep, we all got to take rejection. And remember, when you got the rejection, if 200 people applied and there was one job, 199 people got rejected. It wasn't just you. And I think when we can quantify it like that and we can really think about it, we can kind of stop being hard on ourselves and be like, you know
0: what? 199 of us didn't get this job. I'm going to apply for something else. <laughs> Your explanations are very... It's like they're spot on, amazing. And uh, I just hope that mums listening will really feel what you're saying and just like identify with it and just feel, you know, confident and less stressed about choices that they're making. But I've also been snooping on your Instagram page, who's <laughs> AT and Rich. <laughs> so tell us about these great tips that you offer about the CV checklist. And you've got the morning affirmation list and the elevator pitch, but let's go through the CV checklist first. CV checklist. You want to start there? Okay, cool. So I see, remember, I'm a recruiter. I see thousands and
1: thousands of CVs.
0: And I can tell
1: you, when you see those posts where people say it takes about six seconds for a recruiter or hiring manager to decide, 100%. If I've got a job and I'm looking for someone for my job or for another company, I take between six and 10 seconds and I've decided. So the key things for your CV, do not use your old CV that you've had since way back when you left school or when you, before you had your children and you've not updated it, update your CV regularly. I updated my CV recently and realised how many things I've done that weren't on my CV. So always update your CV. But my checklist is always keywords. The top half of your CV should contain keywords from the job description or the job advert. Yeah. So whatever you're applying to, you actually need to tailor your CV to the job you're applying for. I don't want to see a CV that says, I'm looking for an administrator job, but you've applied to my marketing role. And that's usually what happens because someone has just used the same copy and paste on their CV for every single job. It doesn't work. I will literally press delete as soon as I read that because you didn't care about the position. You've already said you want to be an administrator, but I'm looking for a marketing person, so I don't need to read anything else. So you might think something as small as that wouldn't get you rejected, but it will. So make sure you're using keywords from the job. If it's a marketing assistant role and they're talking about design and things like that, make sure the top part of your CV, your personal profile, I call it your brag box. Make sure your brag box has some of those keywords. Yeah, (laughs) I would definitely say that I notice a lot on CVs um, really inappropriate email addresses. (laughs) Change your email address. (laughs) I do not want to read certain things on emails. Um, Some of them are cute and they're funny if you can't be bothered to change your email address, recruiters and hiring managers aren't going to keep reading your CV. So that's important. And I would say my biggest thing on my checklist, there's like a long list, but my biggest thing is grammar and spelling. I am not an English teacher. However, your CV cannot be full of mistakes and then you expect someone to take you seriously. It cannot say you have great attention to detail and then there are spelling mistakes (laughs) before you tell me. You've now contradicted yourself And whoever's looking at the CV doesn't take you seriously. And what they're going to do is move on to the person who says the same things you do, have good attention to detail. Remember, your CV is the place where not only do you showcase your skills, but you're proving. So you need to show, like, if you've got good attention to detail, then I know that you're going to have a really good CV. If you tell me you're organized, then your CV is not going to be messy. It's going to be very clean and it's going to be organized. So those things are really, really key. I would say definitely keywords. Have an appropriate email address <laughs> and make sure you're proofreading and spell checking everything. Don't get me wrong, there are so many more things on a CV, but I would definitely say those are the ones that I come across most often. Also, please don't use loads and loads of colours. We want a clean CV, unless you're in like design or creative. Some jobs, and it really does depend because different jobs need a different type of CV. So if you're going for a creative type of role, it might be okay, but On most professional CVs, we don't want to see like hundreds of colours. It's really off-putting and we can't get to the information because we're just thrown off by all the colours. So there are a few of my sort of checklists.
0: The other thing um, you talk about is your morning affirmation list. Can you tell us more about that?
1: (laughs) So I love affirmations and I'm also a believer that they don't work for everyone right away. Um, I didn't used to do affirmations. I didn't really understand them. I was like, why would I just keep saying this stuff to myself? It doesn't make sense. But when you go on that journey of self-growth and really start to understand, um, saying affirmation and seeing affirmations is really important. I have a vision board. I've got my affirmations on that board. I wake up in the morning and I try and tell myself at least one great thing. Just one. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, It might just be that I will succeed. That's what I'm going to tell myself. I will succeed. Whatever I'm doing that day... I'm going to succeed. Whether it's something as simple as uh, getting a CV rewritten and sent to someone so that they can apply for a job, I've succeeded. So I will succeed. I will succeed in life in general, but I do believe in daily affirmations. You need to do the work beforehand to get you to that point. Affirmations aren't going to work if you don't already have some sort of positive self-esteem. It's all about your vibration. If your vibration is at a certain level, affirmations are at, Absolutely great. Like I teach my daughter affirmations. Like I want her to say things like she's beautiful, she's smart, she's kind. Those are the things no one teaches you. And um, so you have to know it for yourself. Like, so if I wake up and I say I'm beautiful, I'm kind and I will succeed, there are three amazing affirmations to say to yourself. As a mum, you get so down on yourself, we always notice all the things we do wrong, and we don't notice all the things we do well. If you wake up and you say, Today, I'm going to make my child smile. I guarantee as a mum, at some point in that day, you're going to make your child smile. That's a beautiful affirmation. I am I like to always say, today, I'm going to make someone else smile. So whoever it is, whoever I come across, I'm going to leave someone with a smile. You don't know what people are going through. So affirmations don't just have to be about yourself. It can be about how you're going to interact with the world and interact with people. And they're great for kids, I promise you. They help so much with your kids saying affirmations from a young age. Because you've got to remember, a lot of us that are mums weren't, our parents thought we were beautiful and they loved us, but they didn't necessarily, we didn't hear it on a daily basis, if that sort of makes sense. We didn't really feel it. And society, especially if you look like me um, or you and Sophia, yeah, doesn't always see us as beautiful. So we have to be able to have those affirmations and truly believe them. And like I said, the only way you will truly believe in affirmation is if you start doing the work on yourself and you're on your self-esteem
0: and your confidence. And in this time that we're actually in, and with what you're saying, um, it's it's just perfect. We need to start with ourselves as as mums and really not look at the media and as we, you know what models look like uh, or how that person is doing so well and. And see that as a negative; it should be as a positive, really. And yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying as well. So, the other thing, because I've asked you all the questions that I wanted to ask, <laughs> there's one more thing which you mentioned. And for mums working in the corporate field, they will know what elevator pitch means. I know what that means, and um, but it'll be great for you to explain to parents. If in an interview or any scenario regarding their career, they might have to present a presentation. When best can we use that, and how best can we use that? So your elevator pitch. The
1: word elevator pitch comes um, obviously. Elevator is an American word, but it comes from the fact that you should be able to pitch who you are, what you do, and why someone should be interested in the time it takes on an elevator ride to go up a floor. So. 20-30 seconds about a couple of floors that's what it is a lot of people in the uk we call it a personal pitch and um, one of the best times to say it is i don't know who, which interviewer doesn't ask this but most interviews will ask you why should we hire you and that's the part that i feel like so many people struggle with when i ask that question in the interview people look at me like <laughs> what like a deer in the headlights what do you mean why because people are not, they're not always comfortable sort of talking about themselves or bragging like and i'm not saying you shouldn't be arrogant but you should have something put together let someone know who you are what you do what you're good at and why they would need you in their company especially in a corporate situation why should they go with you and not 199 other people like you said that are applying for the job what is it about you? One of the good things with your elevator pitch is if you've looked up the company and you know the things that are important to that company, you can tie in what you're good at and what you do that will help them in that area. If you can convince a company that you're you're the solution to all their problems, you can get anywhere in life. If you can convince people that you're the solution to their problems, And when I say convince them, you should genuinely be able to be the solution to their problems. But... That's what your elevator pitch is. Your elevator pitch is you selling yourself, telling someone about who you are, what you're great at in a really short summary and just letting them know either why they should work with you. Like if you've got a small business, why should they work with you or why should they hire you? Like, what is the reason? So I say that point in the conversation, that's always great. If you are being interviewed. why should we hire you? Also, sometimes at the beginning of an interview, they'll ask you sort of what are your skills? You don't need to say your whole elevator pitch, but because a part of your elevator pitch includes that, you can tie it in nicely when you're answering. If you get a good elevator pitch down, you can use it for quite a lot of answers in your interview. You've just got to sort of tailor it to each question, but you can take little parts of it for each question. And then when you get to the full elevator pitch, it ties your whole interview together and people really listen and are like, wow, okay, yeah, you told me that you can do that. And now you've tied it all together and told me how and why you can do it.
0: You've just given us all of the secrets and all of your gems, but we know that women come up against many barriers as well. We've got like the gender pay gap and according to some figures in 2019, um, it was at 17.3% in the UK. That means that on average women were paid about 83 pence for every one pound of men were paid. And that was according to the data from the annual survey of hours and earnings, um, from the office for national statistics. Um, so usually, um, in this scenario, the differences in pay cause, you'll know more than me on this, by the occupation, segregation of men who are like in higher paid industries as well and women who are in lower paid industries. Is that kind of how it works?
1: Yeah, that, 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 that's one of the reasons. But also sometimes a woman and a man can do the exact same job in the same company and the pay discrepancy can be huge. Um And that happens a lot, especially, I'm in the recruitment industry. I know that as a fact, like a lot of people will be doing the exact same job and men will be getting paid more. That's another reason why, obviously, people, companies say, don't talk about your salary, which is, I'm someone who doesn't discuss my salary. I don't like it. It's just, I'm not comfortable speaking about what I earn. However, sometimes companies do that so they can continue to have this huge discrepancy between what a man earns and what a woman earns. So it is really important when you go for a job, to already have a decision of what you want to ask. It's not about what other people want or what people tell you should, what do you think you should be paid for that job? Research the company, research what their salaries are and what their salary bands are. If you know they've got a high salary band and then they offer you lower than that, why would you accept it? You've you've sometimes got to think of what's happening. Am I being discriminated against because I'm a woman? Is there a reason? Don't get me wrong if your skill set isn't what they're looking for that's totally different but you do these things do happen another thing i will say to all my mums and all the ladies out there is work your way up if you're the boss or you're the ceo we can close this gap because i'll make sure every time i hire someone if i hire a male or a female i have way more women working for me and that's not because i'm a woman it just is how it's happened i have more people, women coming and interviewing um, Make sure that the women that you hire are paid the same as any man if they're doing the exact same job and they have the same skill set. So you can change the system by being a part of the system. And I think sometimes we forget that, that you can't always change the system from outside. You can, but it's so much easier if you change it from the inside. So if you can get into those higher positions, you can start to see the pay gaps. Because when I was in HR, I definitely saw the pay gap and I can start to close those gaps because I start to challenge and ask the right question.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's, that's really useful information again. <laughs> right. So now it's that time. I've got a list of questions submitted by a few mums. And these questions range from being on furlough to some interview techniques. You've obviously covered some of these already. So I have got a question from Lucy from the UK and she says, how best can I liaise with my current employer upon returning to work when feeling anxious about um, leaving due to furlough and then having to come back? So how best can she liaise with her employer about coming back when she feels not stressed, but anxious about returning?
1: So if if the anxiety is coming from sort of COVID and worrying about that, you do need to have a conversation with your employer and find out what, what have they put in place, what practices have they changed, what have they done to keep you safe in that environment. And um, Things shouldn't be exactly the same when we go back to work just because of the simple fact that there has been this massive pandemic, um, so they should have things in place. So ask them those questions. Don't be embarrassed. If you've got a good relationship with your company, don't be embarrassed to let them know. I'm a little bit concerned um, about coming back. Also, some people have had anxiety around just being off work for so long and um, one of my team called me up and said I'm worried that I don't remember <laughs> how to do my job now she's only been with me for like five months before the pandemic hit but she was really anxious and I was like to her it's okay we can retrain and your job should be willing if you've not been there long to retrain even if you have been there long just to have a refresher on what we do how we do it and to support you if you work for a good company you should Give them a call. drop them an email first and ask them when's a good time, because you always want to make sure someone's got the time to give you. So I would say she should drop them an email, find out when they've got time just to speak to her briefly, um, and then she should just go and ask them, let them know exactly what she's feeling anxious about and give them a chance to answer your questions. If you still don't feel comfortable, then you need to maybe decide if you need to take it a little bit higher or you need a more detailed answers. And again, sometimes when you put things in an email, Um, you can get your point across a little bit more because
0: you don't forget things that you might forget when you have a conversation. Um, For for Lucy, she talks about being on furlough and she wants to adjust her working hours. So how can she approach the management regarding that? So um, I'm assuming that she has been working longer hours and she since has to return and would like to reduce them. So how would she go about that?
1: Again? is scheduling time with your manager and having the conversation all you can do is ask but when you go into a conversation don't have an expected outcome it is okay because if a company can't give you short of hours it might be that they can't accommodate that so you have to be open when you ask that you may not always get the answer you want but remember if you don't ask it's already no like if you don't go and ask them you've already you've decided for yourself that it's no with everything that's happened I feel like a lot of employers are going to be a lot more flexible with people working reduced hours or flexible hours, it might be in their best interest. Also remember, if you reduce your hours, it will often change your pay. Um, I speak to a lot of mums, and that's something they forget. They'll, they want to the reduced hours, but then when the money goes down, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't live on this amount. The company's not gonna pay you the same salary to do less hours, um, unless you've had a promotion or you've moved up in your role, then that's different. But if you're doing less hours, it often means you're getting paid less. So have all those things in mind, set up the conversation, go and ask them. I feel you've been furloughed and now you feel like actually you want to work less hours. Um, I talk a lot about on my page, about whether being an asset. If you're an asset to any company, they want to work with you, not against you. They'd rather keep you than lose you. So just make sure you go in and ask, but be prepared for whatever the answer is.
0: And my other question is from Michelle in London, and she's asked how and when should you follow up after an interview with a company?
1: Uh, I love this question uh, you should follow up with a company not long after you've interviewed before the end of the day so if you've had an interview at 10 o'clock I would expect that sort of by one o'clock you've already sent an email just to say hi it was great to meet you and let them know that you're still interested in the role um, I love when I get follow-up um, emails because I know automatically okay they're interested so if they do get shortlisted I've got a better idea of if they're interested or not um also, it's just polite. You've met someone new. Um, even if you don't get the job, maybe because you respond to them, send them an email, they might connect with you on LinkedIn. And even if you don't get that job, maybe in the future, if they have a job, they'll remember you because they'll be like, oh, remember that girl? We didn't, she didn't get the job, but she was really close and I really liked her. and She sent us that really nice email. Let me go back through my emails and find it and let me contact her. Because sometimes that's to me, I'll contact someone. I'll be like, you applied for this job a while ago. I actually think you'd be more suitable for this job that's come up recently would you be interested in speaking to me about it? Um, so the follow-up email is actually quite key and people miss that. People often miss that. Um, sometimes you'll have two candidates, they're both great and you really can't choose. And then one of them sends you this amazing follow-up email that tells you why, the, it's again, the elevator pitch. They add in a little bit of their elevator pitch in that. Thank you for seeing me. It was great. I think I've been a great asset. I think your company does great things, etc. And then you're sort of like, oh, maybe we'll, we'll see that one again. <laughs> so it's always good. I would say within a couple of hours, obviously, if you've got to leave one interview and go to another interview, you're not going to be able to send that email straight away. So definitely before the end of the day. By the end of the day, when you get home and you're just before you wind down, send your emails. A lot of us have smartphones. So we've got smartphones. Use it, put together a nice um, message and send it home.
0: So um, thanks for that. So with the other question, which ties into interviews, with video interviews taking place instead, any tips on how to make the best impression?
1: Yes, we've all been at home for a really long time. Most of us in our sweats and just chilling out. Put on clothes. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't matter how friendly your interviewer is or how nice the company is. Get dressed for your interview. Make time as well. So if you're a mum, oh my gosh, if you've got small kids, it is so hard. and um, see if you can get someone to pop around and help you out just to keep the children a little, like just to keep them occupied while you sort of get on the call. I'm lucky I've got an older child, so I can say to her, I'm doing something. However, even having a teenager, she will burst into the room and ask me for something that she's lost um that is right in front of her but she and she won't even pay attention to the fact that I just told her that I was going to be on call or on a zoom meeting so just make sure that your children are occupied and they're sort of out of the way you need a quiet space um where you're not going to have any disruptions good lighting someone wants to see you as if you were sitting in front of them so nice bright space good lighting don't have anything in the background that might distract your interviewer so nothing that might distract the person that they start looking at that rather than looking at you so just make sure that you've got a nice empty space quiet space if you're a mum children sort of um out of the way sort of being looked after also for all my mums that have children that don't always have the opportunity for them to be cared for while they're doing their video call because a lot of people did video calls while we were still in like the heights of lockdown so no one was allowed to come to your house to help with your children what you should do is before your interview or when you get asked, email them and explain that due to your current situation, because obviously we were in lockdown, you haven't got anyone to look after your child on that day. Your children will be occupied. However, you just wanted to let them know in case at any point during the video call, one of your children pops in, you just wanted to apologise in advance and just see if that would be okay or ask to switch the interview to a day where you know you can get childcare. And it's, not, it's okay to do that. It's just structuring the email, right, and putting it into words properly. They might say to you, well, is there a better time? Because if your children are going to be sort of popping in and out, maybe there's are a better time for you, we can adjust the interview. So you have to take that into consideration. And also just remember, if a company's not child-friendly and you're a mum, there's going to be situations that come up being a mum. So you're going to want maybe a company that sort of understands that maybe, okay, I haven't got childcare today, but when I start work, I will definitely have childcare. Make that very clear. But we're in lockdown, so things are a bit different now. People, grandparents can't always come around and look after children. So just bear that in mind and have that conversation beforehand.
0: I have one more final question. So how should you bring up salary or negotiate it when the job advert says competitive? Because I see this quite a lot myself. And as Michelle has submitted this, we see this often. Why do companies do this and how do we get around it? Okay,
1: so often competitive is just a way for them to have these massive pay gaps. that They don't have to declare a salary and because it's just competitive. And then what happens is you go in, you say something low or they ask you, what salary are you on? You tell them the salary you're on and they know automatically, "Mm, if I offer a couple thousand more, they'll take the job. So if you, salary's a hard one. You shouldn't automatically just be like, hi, I'm interested in this job. What's the money? No, you've already, that's a bad impression. You've already made them think, okay, you only care about money, which means even if I give you the job, if someone else offers you more money in a month from now, you are probably going to get up and leave. So there's an art to asking and negotiating. I love salary negotiations. I train people on it all the time. But firstly, ask them about the job first. So ask them, like, what is the job? Because you need to establish, is this even a job that you're really interested in? So, hi, I just, them say, I've just sent you my CV or I've just applied for this job. Drop them an email and then say, hi, I've just applied for this job online. And I was wondering, um, I just wanted to ask a few more questions about the role. Um, And then actually say, I see that it involves and then put a few things that you remember from the job description. It's really important. because Then the company knows that you're serious. Say, and I think that would suit my skill set. And then give them a little brief on why you think it would suit your skill set. And then ask. Then say, I did notice that the salary said competitive. And because I'm already working in the industry, I just wanted to know roughly what your salary band was. So I had an idea of whether or not it would be suitable for me. And that's it. Don't ask the exact salary, just ask for the band. Um, And that would be a good way. Um, And then as far as you mentioned negotiation in there as well, like how do you negotiate? If a company tells you their band and their band is, for instance, 30,000 to 35,000 and you want 42,000, do you think that's a job that you should be applying for? <laughs> that's a huge discrepancy. I, I speak to a lot of people that are like, Yeah, but I've got loads of experience and loads of skills. That's great, but they're looking for someone with a certain skill set that is interested in a band between 30 and 35. So if you want more, maybe it's because you're overqualified and you're applying for jobs that actually you can go for something more, or it's just that it's a small company and they can't afford anything more than that. Now, if your salary is about a thousand to two thousand more than their salary band, it's always worth an ask. I'm a big believer in if you don't ask, you don't know. But bear in mind that just like you don't want anyone to waste your time and don't waste the company's time, if you know the highest end is thirty-five and you want thirty-seven and you think that you cannot go down to to 35 for any reason, I don't think that you should be going for that job because there is a chance that they're going to say to you 35. However, like I said, you should always give it a go. When you're negotiating, I do think it's okay to negotiate, even when you've had your offer. Even if someone offers you the job and you love the job and you want to take the job, if it's not the money you want, negotiate. It's all in how you negotiate. Don't go in arrogant saying, I deserve more, I've got all these skills. You're already going to get their back up. Just say to them, thank you so much for the offer. I'm really interested in working for you. However, as I mentioned that interview, because you should have mentioned what you're looking for at interview. I will be looking for this. And Is there any way that we can speak about salary or is there any room within the next six months for that salary to be increased? Because I think a lot of people forget that sometimes you can start off on a salary and a company will say, OK, within three months, we're going to give you a salary review. Ask them to build that into the contract. But if you've told them you want 30,000 at interview and they come back with an offer of 25, then you're going to need to say to them, well, at interview, I did say this. But if at interview, you told them you would take 25 and they offer you 26, don't then go back and say you want 30. You'll put them off because you told them interview what you wanted. So I always say when you're at interview, if you're, if you're going to be in a position to have to negotiate salary, always tell them that you want between 15 and 20% more than the actual salary you want because then if they offer it to you that's great because you've got way more than you wanted or if you do have to negotiate they can negotiate you down to where your actual base limit is you should always have a walk away as well when you're negotiating if you don't have a walk away a company can tell they can tell when you're not serious and that you're going to accept it if you don't have you have to have a walk away and um, you have to be able to say if they come back to you and say we can't do 30 but we can do twenty-seven. You have to be able to say thank you for the offer and thank you for the opportunity and um, i think i'm going to continue looking because i'm not sure if this will work for me be polite always because again they may then come back to you a few days later and say you know what we've moved things around we can offer you what you're asking for come and join us or they may say you're not for us and you have to continue looking so decide what your walk away is is it the money or is it the role if you really want the role the money might not be a big deal but if you really want the money. You have to have a walk away and
0: you have to be confident in your walk away. I'm sure that mums will definitely want to get in contact with you. And all of the resources you have are online on your page. So how can mums get in contact with you, Adele? So my new website
1: should be up by the end of next week. And it's
0: Um, Find
1: me on Instagram. I've got two pages. I've got at at enrich or I've got at this mum works. Just Get in touch, jump in my DMs. You wouldn't believe how many people just jump in my DMs and let me know what they're looking for. Or on my page, there's also, you can access my email. You can email me. So drop me an email and um, to find out a little bit more. You can ask me about, um, I do CV writing. I do career coaching. Some people are just looking for work. I'm also a recruiter. So whatever it is you're looking for, jump in my DMs. I'll let you know if I'm the best person to help you because I'm not always the right person. But if I am, I'll let you know how I can help. If I'm not, I'll let you know who might be and where you can go for other resources. Also, if you click the link on my Instagram bio, you will see some freebies and resources. a lot of mums have messaged me and said, thank you so much. Your CV resource really helps. I've got a CV one up right now and an interview one that's up. And so if you just click the link on my bio, you can download those for free and they will help you out Trust me. I've had good feedback on them both. Um, So yeah, have a look. Um, Yeah. And then if you need anything else, drop me a message in my DMs or send me an email.
0: Thank you so much um, Adele for joining me. It's just been amazing. Thank you. All of the the tools and the resources you've just given us the hidden gems and mums I know that you will take away this information and definitely make sure you get in contact with Adele as well and we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you. you. Hey mums we hope you enjoy the podcast. If you've got any questions, get in contact with us on the socials at I'm a Mum Fix My Life on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on all major social media channels. Join us for the next podcast where we'll be speaking to expectant mums. See you on the next podcast.